0: It was a story that upended a presidential campaign. In May 1987, the Miami Herald gets a tip. Gary Hart, the frontrunner for the Democratic nomination, is carrying on an affair with a young woman, not his wife, he had met on a yacht called the Monkey Business. The reporters follow up. Stake out Hart at his Georgetown townhouse and confront him in an alley about the woman, a former model named Donna Rice, they had seen entering his home. Hart, who had insisted his campaign was about high minded ideas and the future, ducks their questions, suggesting he was under no obligation to share such personal information with journalists. But the Herald story pops, and within a week, after a media frenzy, he drops out of the race. Now a new movie called The Front Runner* explores the downfall of Gary Hart's presidential campaign, a turning point in the way the American media treats the private lives of public figures, and a cultural moment the week that politics went tabloid. We'll discuss The Frontrunner with its director, Jason Reitman, and its screenwriters, veteran political operative Jay Carson, and our Yahoo News colleague, Matt By on today's Buried Treasure. Um, we are joined by renowned director Jason Reitman, uh, veteran political operative Jay Carson, and our colleague uh, Matt By um, about the movie they've just made, about to come out, The Front Runner. Uh, we saw it last night, um, both uh, gripping and provocative drama, um, uh, starring Hugh Jackman as uh, Senator Gary Hart. And it explores the story of a th- 30-year-old political scandal that uh, uh, ended Gary Hart's campaign for president. Jason, I guess the first question is why do this movie now?
1: Well, when someone introduces me with uh, the word renowned, I become very nervous for the interview. <laughs> <It> <laughs> nothing the, good, nothing good can come guy. after that. <laughs>
0: you made Juno, which I think is uh, will make you renowned for in perpetuity.
1: Thank you very much. Uh... uh well, I think the, the connective tissue between uh, the Gary Hart scandal and 2018 um, uh, is not specific, but uh, but I think it is clear, uh, whether we're talking about um, the line between public and private, or we're talking about gender politics, uh, or we're talking about uh, the relationship between politicians and journalists. Uh, these are conversations that we are all having right now. The, what kind of flaws are we willing to put up with? in our leaders. And we want to understand our potential presidents, senators, justices as human beings. And uh, when I read Matt's book, I thought he really made a clear argument drawing lines that started in 1987. And I found that to be profound and interesting. And it it felt like a movie to me.
0: Um, I guess, you know, the the part of the movie that really I found uh, the most... uh, engaging was the debate about where where the lines are right. between private conduct and public business. Have you ever had a debate like uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> most, most of my career. Right. Uh, and um, and you really present it as a, a clash uh, um, of ideas about how we do our business and how we conduct uh, politics in this country. Um, Jay, g- give us a sense of... Um, how you explored those issues and and where we do draw lines between when somebody's private business becomes uh, of public interest.
2: You know, uh, being a part of this movie, um, you know, when Matt first, t- same as Jason, when Matt first told me the story, I was totally gripped by. It. I couldn't, I-, I couldn't believe it wasn't already a movie. Uh, and that's what actually drew me to it from the very beginning. but as as a former operative, what drew it to me was trying to explore the uh, that those very questions among many others, because I came into politics, you know, having read Teddy White Books and Richard Kramer, and entered into a world um, that was not nearly as bad as it is now, but was still a tough a tough political environment. And there were a lot of those fights. And what I saw was that I had entered into a world, um, that was colored by my reading, but my reading was from a time before um, before this had happened. And there were a lot of battles. It, it, the campaigns that I was on, the distance had already, the chasm between the press and the candidate had already grown as the candidates and the, and the operatives, like me, tried to protect our candidates from, from journalists. And so I yearned for those times where the journalists and the candidate are sitting around the table together and they know each other and have some understanding and some context for each other. I had a few experiences like that during my campaign career, but not as many as I would have if I had come up before 88. And they're well,
0: fewer and fewer.
2: Yeah, that's what I hear. I, I actually had people call me from inside the 2016 campaign on both sides of the aisle, by the way, right. and say, We are so sorry we complained about you guys in 08. This is atrocious. <laughs> and <laughs> um, yeah. so. And well, let's bring.
3: Matt into the conversation. You lamented that um, in in your book, and we should point out that the movie is based on your excellent book, "All the Truth Is Out." Um, and to be renamed the front runner <laughs>
4: yeah, for does for
3: does artistic reasons or commercial change. reasons. Okay, changing Matt's but, name to Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why.
2: Actually, should we, but, shouldn't
0: we just get so Matt to I just tell not. us the basics of this story? Gary Hart is yeah. the front runner for the Democratic nomination in uh, 1988. I Although, thought Matt was going
3: to tell the basics. Well, I'm of just, this just like. <laughs> Up. <laughs>
4: Cut through. Okay, and uh, what Trust happens me. to his campaign? Right. <laughs> um, yes, Gary Hart. You pretty much hit it, Mike. Gary Hart was uh, was far and away the front runner going into the nineteen eighty eight presidential campaign. He had run in eighty four as an unknown senator from Colorado. He comes very close to un- to taking that nomination from Walter Mondale, who was the former vice president, of course. Um, and after Mondale loses, Hart is the presumed front runner. uh, And by the point when he enters the race in 1987, he's double digits ahead of every other Democrat. The closest competitors didn't even run. uh, And he was double digits ahead of George H.W. Bush. I think as much as any, I mean, I've covered five presidential campaigns. You guys have been around this for a long time. I think as much as any candidate I'm aware of in modern history, he was as close to a glide path to the presidency as you're going to get. And it unraveled. He, his campaign lasted—it's uh, about three weeks—but but really unraveled in five days uh, from the onset of a, of this, you know, story—the Miami Herald revelation that he'd been seen with this woman uh, at his house. Was Donna his Rice. Wife, Donna Rice is her name. Uh, to the point where he withdraws from the race and actually withdraws uh, from public life. Is sort of forced from the arena altogether, having been really the first. Uh, presidential candidate to be consumed in what I would, what I would call the modern satellite age scandal. So Matt, I just want to go back to the question that uh, Mike was
3: asking, Jay, which is where these lines are are drawn. Um, because you, in your book, uh, drew, uh, drew that line. I think you had to grapple. character sometimes really right. does matter. And I yes. think you made that distin- distinction using a a uh, a more recent presidential yeah. candidate, John Edwards. So, talk about what that where that line is.
4: Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of drawing lines uh, because I think when you make rules, uh, then you never then then inevitably the rule doesn't fit a situation and and you know something gets broken. I, I think um, you know that this this is different with every case. And as you point out, Dan, I did um, you know talk in my book about Edwards, who I thought you know I had written about if uh, you know when I look back now, sort of at unreasonable length about his policy platform. <laughs> <And such laughs> what everybody plus, remembers I, about Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that was my right. point. right? I, read, I yeah. wrote 8,000 words on a poverty program. Did it matter if he was doing what the National Enquirer found him doing? Could I honestly make the case that what the National Enquirer found out did not reflect on his character? I couldn't. So, I mean, look, I think uh, every case is different, and, and character and judgment are things, you know, moral fitness. These are things that, that I, I really... I think the the key to judging them is context. I think it's it's not one moment. It's not one thing. Uh, or you know, in some cases, I guess one moment can overshadow everything. But I think it's looking at a person's career and life, and uh, the the uh, in both its 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 high moments and its low moments. And so I think you know, one of the things you're watching in this film is you're watching a lot of people make try to make decisions. That are very difficult and, and some of them, if not all of them, getting caught up in a current that they don't control and feeling like it's no longer their decision. And and I think part of what I hope and we hope I think people walk out of it with when they're talking about it and thinking about it, and I hope they do, is uh is is this idea of where our personal responsibility begins and you know at what point do you say well we're not no we don't there's there is no rule that we have to follow every story like this or that we never follow something like that that you know we all have to make choices and take responsibility for how those choices reverberate in our public life and Jay,
2: think, it, oh, go sorry no go ahead. it's just to jump in on that it's you know the pre-88 rule is never the post-88 rule is always the never rule wasn't right. The always rule probably isn't right. I think there were times never where... Never, just fill in the blanks. Sorry, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that we never talk about a, a candidate's personal life pre, pre-1988 was probably not smart. I am certain, I can think of times probably that that, that, per, that someone's personal life was relevant pre-1988. The fact that post-1988, you 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 literally always talk about it. It will always come up in some context. There, are prob- there have probably been times where that wasn't as relevant as it seemed. Um, and so part of what our movie asks is to start start a conversation about judgment and relevance. You know, when is that, c- because black and white is never really, the, always and never are not great things to, not great um, guidestones to follow in politics. And Jason, um, it seemed to me
3: that what you were trying to do in this movie was humanize uh, all of the players who were involved in this, as opposed to uh, you know, finger wagging um, that um, the ground was shifting, the gra- uh, shifting under, under everyone's feet in terms of politics, mm-hmm. in terms of standards, in terms of morality, uh, and these were hard uh, judgments to make. So, talk about that process. How you tried to uh, to, to make these uh, these characters real.
1: I mean, certainly, these are always the have always been the characters that I've been interested in. If you look at my movies, they have been about a tobacco lobbyist, you know, a pregnant teenager, a guy who fires people for a living, a, a woman who uh, who's trying to ru- ruin another couple's marriage. Um, this is my Marvel universe, so uh, I, I think uh, I think the characters in this movie fit right in. Uh, I've always been interested in the, the nuances of uh, human behavior and and people had to make very tricky decisions in this film uh and in that sense uh uh in that sense, I, I I didn't kind of hem and haw over it. I, I, I kind of leaned right in. Uh, I think people are kind of most interesting when they're making uh, tricky decisions. And we wanted a film that allowed the audience to have multiple point of views to find their way into this. You know, it's not a movie that... Uh, I think most movies uh, are from the inside out. You have one central character, you kind of stick with them, and you look at the world over their shoulder. This is a movie that's from the outside in. You have... Uh, almost 20 main characters and you're trying to understand Hart from the outside. Now, you may align yourself with the journalist at The Post, a specific journalist at The Post or a journalist at The Herald or someone on his campaign staff or someone on his family or maybe Donna Rice. Uh, Every audience member is going to have a different way into this film, but they... The, each point of view will be an opportunity to try to, to try to understand scandal in real time when it's happening so quickly. When you have a person who goes from the front runner to basically leaving politics forever in a matter of days, um, decisions were made very quickly. A quick, yeah,
0: yeah. So look, I mean, you're you're pretty harsh on the Miami Herald here, the 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 paper that sends reporters to stake out. Uh, Hart's townhouse in order to catch him with a young woman, Donna Rice, who was not his wife, to show that he was having a sexual affair while running for president. Um, now, and, you know, I think a lot of people are going to see this movie and and sympathize with Hart, feeling like this is, you know, he's trying to run a high-minded campaign, um, and uh, and and this is not relevant to anything he wants to talk about. But he lives in a political culture um, in which uh, uh, the, there is a public interest in who the candidate is, what kind of person he is. And you have the scene in the movie early on uh, where the, the campaign's, candidate's advisors want him to pose with his wife for People magazine. He's not crazy about it, but he does it. Which is an indication that he's playing in the world of politics, uh, you know, as it is, a political culture where people, voters, want to know about a candidate and his family and his marriage. Doesn't that sort of justify uh, when a newspaper gets information that contradicts the public image that the candidate is trying to put out um, pursuing the story. Well, hang on, Mike. Before okay. before we do
4: that, tell yeah. me why do you think the portrayal of the Herald is especially that
1: was going to be well, my question.
4: <laughs> well, I, th- I, I thought the uh,
0: depiction of Fie- Fie- Tom Fiedler, the respected political writer for the Miami Herald, yeah. um, was was you know not a flattering
1: one. It's um, interesting because I that was
4: my sense. But uh, was, a lot of what's unflattering is 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 just plain fact. You know, he, the right. the a lot of the scenes that you know, where he himself would admit he didn't come off well are real uh so there's only so much you can do about that
2: but
1: yeah uh so i mean i'll I'll open with tom fiedler's review of the film which was uh he he walked out of the movie and walked right up to me and the first thing he said was wow that was terrific really that was the first it was literally the first thing he said and and look uh as with everyone who we portrayed in this film who i've shown the film to there was genuine apprehension going into the screening both from them also from me, you can't imagine how scary it is as the filmmaker. is my right. first time having made a movie about real people to then, you know, present it to them after the fact. Uh, and, and look, even in talking before the movie, I kind of gave him a sense of, look, this is what we're, this is the movie you're about to watch. This is what it portrays. Just, I don't want you to feel like you're waiting for some sort of surprise. This is what's in the movie. Right. Uh, I said, you know, we, we, we have the Ted Koppel Interview, we've recreated that using the real footage uh, uh, from Nightline, Uh, and and he said, "Oh, yeah, that that wasn't my best moment." Uh, So I think, uh, and 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 even in our conversation about that week, he feel he seems to feel conflicted to this day uh, that it was a very hard decision. He believes in the decision he made. And it's not our position to judge the decision uh, he made. Uh, he made a choice, a really tricky choice. And you know, I've heard but Matt talk a back, lot about. Back
0: to my question. Yeah. Oh, and to that's your his wife for People Magazine. Yeah. And you know, and then carry on a yeah. private affair uh, during that time period. Is that a contradiction that the public has a right to know?
2: Can I can I make one yeah. other not to, to, to harp on the Tom Fiedler thing because yeah. we wrote a movie that allows people to t- to take it the way that they want. to. Oh, and I that's agree. literally what yes. we set up. So people will walk in and come out with totally different conclusions. We heard it at all the film festivals where you wander through the crowd and people are arguing on wildly different sides. A husband and wife like, I thought it was this. no, I thought it was that. Right. But our intention in writing it, because that's all that we can talk about, was not to have a damning portrayal of the Miami Herald or Tom Fiedler. We really tried to write that as human beings grappling with something that no one had ever grappled with in that business before and trying to make the best decision that they could. It's it's one of the my favorite portrayals in the movie is Steve Zissis' Tom Fiedler because... As an operative that did some stuff I'm not proud of during my time in politics, I know how hard those decisions were. And sometimes I decided the right thing, and sometimes I decided the wrong thing. And watching him really grapple with it is something that always, like, grabs my stomach when I'm watching it, because I see a human yeah, you know, I would a have Yeah,
1: I would have felt more guilty about the portrayal of the Miami Herald if we had showcased them as people with no conscience, no thought— Just simply hounding him and aggressively pursuing, hard. uh, You know, mustache-twisting evilness in their eyes. Uh, But we portray them as people trying to make a very complicated decision. Caught up in a moment, they're nervous. They're apprehensive about it. We then we go to the post. We see a room at the post with men, women, old, young, grappling over: Do we cover this ourselves? Uh, You know, this is a movie co-written by a journalist deeply interested in the conversation about, you know, what is fair. So I also don't want to uh, harp on Tom Fiedler,
3: but he did—he he, he did utter uh, what I think was uh, in the movie, in some ways, the most memorable line for me, which is this uh, uh, amazing moment in the in the alley when yeah, the alley. Uh, when when the Miami Herald reporters confront Hart, but in a real sense, Hart is also confronting them, um, and Fiedler says, "Senator." what are we doing in this alley? Mm. Um, and to me, that was such a powerful line because clearly it must have been what Gary Hart was thinking. And I talk a little bit about that scene, uh, the cameras flashing, the Certainly. sense that that uh, neither neither side really knew where they were in this moment, which was shifting so I mean, powerfully. I mean,
1: it's fascinating, really, right? Because it feels like the the, the world crosses a line in that moment, and alleyway, you know, is a is a figurative line, and and it feels like high noon the way that they're lined up. And I remember the first time I heard the radio lamp piece, which was you know the my introduction to Matt's book, and the first time I read Matt's book, and it is the most cinematic of scenes in this storyline that has many cinematic scenes uh, to it, and I'm. I, that was the moment where I oh, this is a movie. And I could, you know, immediately picture uh, what this was going to look like. It turned out to be the last scene that we shot, which was, you know, uh, you know, it's just extraordinary luck. because uh, it, it takes a movie set about a week to ramp up all of, uh, always, and you're always wishing that your most important scenes were towards the end of your shoot when everyone is, you know, uh, everyone's really cooking and on their game. Uh, so, uh yeah. Uh, I, I have to imagine on the real night when uh, everyone was in that alleyway, everyone was wondering, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. You had
3: that line, I think, in the book where, where you say that uh, uh, the Miami Herald reporters had Gary Hart literally... Uh, literally against a wall. Against a wall, yeah, asking and questions. And he's in his
4: hoodie. and that, it, yeah. it, it is really cinematic. Um, and uh, And I remember that the night we shot that was cold and rainy... <laughs> And yeah, uh, you know, and it was everybody been at it for nine weeks or whatever it was, and it went to you know through the middle of the night almost till morning.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think
4: that added to the sense of tension. uh, You
1: You got the mix of like a Western showdown in the location of a film noir, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so (laughs) spoken like a director, Uh, and and (laughs) this
3: is where I guess uh, the the two politicos here Um, uh, Gary Hart went down essentially in five days, um, Yeah. yeah, but. Since then, uh a lot of presidents and uh politicians and presidential candidates have survived. Bill yeah. Clinton, um, you know, who uh during the campaign had the Bimbo eruptions, Jennifer Flower, uh our current president, um, you know, accused yeah. of sexual assault himself. So, um, politicians now can survive these scandals. They but at, at what cost?
4: Well, that's I mean, at what cost? To and, them, why, and
0: why do some survive
4: and so, no, others No, it's a great question, my guess. What cost yeah. to them? And then, at, you know, I, th- I would ask it, what cost to us? I mean, you, it, it's almost not an answer as a question. You can, you can ask, you can frame that, uh, that phenomenon in a different way, right? You can ask the question, why are these guys uh, able to survive where a guy like Hart wasn't? And is it that the public becomes more sophisticated and sifts through the information and all of that? Or you can ask it. I think the way I would ask it, which is, what kind of candidates are we drawing to the process and rewarding, who are w- are willing and able to do the things required to navigate that kind of political culture, and uh, just because you have, you can, you can find uh, politicians who will uh, dissemble and open up their families to all kinds of scrutiny <laughs> and uh, and you know do whatever it takes to hold an office and win an election and hold an office doesn't uh, mean—and doesn't mean you should congratulate yourselves for, for, you know, rewarding those candidates even though they have transgressed in some personal way. And, you know, I think when you look at the the current president, I would say, you know, there's a real through line between the the decision—I don't know if it's a—it's a series of decisions, but the trend uh, that begins in 1987 toward treating politics, politicians like celebrities, and politics like entertainment— and, you know, the, sort of the inevitable drift of entertainers <laughs> and celebrities into your politics. From uh, the you, high-minded you have to, Gary Hart and, and, to yeah. Donald Trump. and, you know, it kind of right. gets back to what we were talking about with yeah. the media. The thing yeah. I've always said about this yeah. is not, you know, this isn't—nobody's this isn't, to blame for this. There are a lot of trends, but we do have to reflect on it. We do have to reckon with our role in it, speaking as a journalist, just like I think Jay would say. Yeah. You know, everything he did on campaigns uh, also contributed, and there's no— There's no, there's no shame in reckoning with your role in creating a process that nobody thinks is working.
2: Yeah, there's a role guys like me played in this too. Not only guys like me, actually me, Um, (laughs) played in this kind of thing because the part of the movie that I find um, to be the most like Back to the Future, where I'm just like watching something that I can't believe Mm -hmm. happened. Is toward the end of the movie, and this is what I love about making television or movies, where it's like you learn stuff through the process of making, and it was on like the seventh viewing of this movie that I I realized, wait, this is the moment in every campaign, toward the end of the movie, they're sitting around the table Hart decides to go home. This is the movie on every campaign I've ever been on where we all look at each other and the candidate looks at us and we say, what do we have to do to get through this? We'll do anything to get through this. And that's the campaigns that I came up through. And the fact that he's not willing to do that because every, every time I've been around, there's a guy like me or often me who's in the room that says, okay, Mike, here's what you do. You got to trot your kids out. I know it's going to be tough because they're eight and five, and it's yeah. going to kind of scar them forever. But and you got to bring your wife out, and you got to do this, and you kind of kind of lie and dissemble to the press for the next couple of weeks. We're going to take the person. We're going to kind of make them disappear. And we're going to. It's all okay. awful stuff. Okay. But it'll get you through it. You know, one of the
3: fascinating things about the the book and and the movie, and I think done very well in the movie, um, is all of these kind of external forces that are swirling around that creates this. I think, as as you put it, vortex. Yeah. Uh, that. Uh, uh, Hart doesn't create, but that he is the first politician to step into. And one of them is uh, feminism and mm. the women's lib movement. Mm. And the character that exemplifies that is Anne Devroy, who Isakoff and I both knew at the mm. Washington Post. Mm. Talk about um, her as a character, um, and uh, particularly in this uh, moment in our culture, um, uh, why you you uh, focused on her and, and her point
1: of view. Certainly. Uh uh, By the way, I should
3: point out five guys discussing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
1: my producing partner's name is uh, Helen uh, and She's a, a brilliant woman, and I've been working with her uh, since Up in the Air. And, uh, and even on that movie, she... Really began to challenge me narratively when it comes to portraying women. And I think one of the reasons that uh, my films do uh, portray women well, and particularly that movie Up in the Air, is because of that kind of ongoing conversation with her. And I think she challenged all three of us uh, in how we can really address the burden that's put on women's shoulders in the midst uh, of a scandal. And that, you know, obviously starts with Donna Rice, who's a kind of. Uh, uh, a character who I think has been misunderstood for 30 years now. Um, and hopefully, this film will kind of shed a new light on a young woman who was smart and ambitious and had her life taken away from her. Uh, on Lee Hart, obviously, uh, Gary's wife, who was a strong, smart woman herself. And uh, but that also extends to characters like Anne Deveroy at the Washington Post um, and our character Irene Kelly on the campaign, who were put in that position of being the only woman in the room, the woman who has to speak for her entire gender. Now, I mentioned earlier that this is a film that has many points of view, uh, depending on how you count it up. It's about 15, 20, uh, each one with an angle in. And while it is our job to portray historical facts accurately, it's also our job to give the audience an avenue into this movie. And with Anne's voice, and of course, you know, sadly, I I could never meet, uh, we wanted to give an opportunity for particularly young women in 2018, uh, a voice in this film, a way into this narrative, uh, a feeling as though there, when you look at the screen, there's someone that speaks for you, who's bringing up your questions Mm -hmm. in the midst of Uh, a scandal in which every side has a question. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. One of the um, uh, the great things uh, we all like to do when watching a historical movie like this is to play the what-if game. And let's pretend that the Miami Herald took a different attitude towards uh, the tip they got that Gary Hart was having an affair, didn't pursue the story, uh, and it didn't come out during the Democratic nomination. Hart wins the Democratic nomination. He would have been the Democratic candidate running against George H.W. Bush in 1988, whose campaign was being run by Lee Atwater, one of the most notorious political operatives (laughs) of Mm. our time. Oh, yeah. Um, Matt, what would have happened um, in a uh, Hart-Bush race if Lee Atwater had gotten a whiff of the Donna Rice relationship, and we were coming up in the last week of the presidential election, um, and uh, Atwater found a way to yeah. get that story out.
4: It's, a, it's interesting. Heart inspires a lot of alternative histories. There's a Stephen King, there's a, there's a volume of Stephen King's Dark Tower series where uh, in the alternate reality, Hart is the president, you know, and and then of course he makes a joke <laughs> at Hart's expense, uh, but uh, you know it's it's fun to think about. I've, uh, somebody uh, Jeff Greenfield uh, in a book, an alternate history book, actually did an entire chapter on H- President Hart's presidency because you know it, it does it is. I think people sense that um, you know he had a, he had very forward looking ideas and was that close to sort of getting in and doing it. But so, would right, there have so, been so, so would have I mean, look. The stuff would have come to light. I mean, yes, Lee Atwater was aware of it. Republicans were aware of it. George H.W. Bush is the former head of the CIA. They weren't going to let that slide. And, and, um, and don't forget, and this is you know, goes to your earlier question because I know we didn't really answer it fully for you, but uh, context. Again, you know, Hart had two long separations from his wife, who, by the way, is still married to 60-plus right. years uh, they had reunited. It was very, quite an
0: interesting kicker at the end, by the way, <laughs> that they're still married. Yeah, yeah, does put a little very, different cast. It does. On it does. Uh, looking at everything they,
4: you know, they had reunited shortly before the onset of that campaign. So it was well known in Washington that he had dated other women. Uh, it was well known that a lot of those, you know, a lot of those women he had dated publicly because he, he had publicly said, "I'm separated from my wife." Uh, and the Donna Rice thing kind of, you know, that that whole uh, wh- whatever went on there, that dalliance happens, you know, just as he's embarking on the next campaign. So it depends. I mean, look, if he's been running for a year and there's nothing more recent and, and all people say is, oh, this this is a weird marriage and he's, he's uh, had separations and then there's, you know, intimations of other things. I mean, would the public have— um, seized on it in quite so breathless a way if it, weren't happ- if it weren't sort of contemporaneous happening at that moment. We just saw this yesterday. Uh, and we're, and he was able to put the, the ups and downs of his marriage in some context and yet being the first person to go through it so that, you know, it would be big news. That, that's the question. I, I don't know. You know. How would the public have worked through that? I, I suspect it would have been uh, trying for him and it might have cost him the president simply because there were lines he wouldn't cross. Uh, and I think he would have had to do some real... Uh, you know, some sort of unprecedented soul-sharing with the public to get through that.
2: I want to answer, but what in, you, in well, yeah, this alternate think, universe, Jay? my dad never met my mom, so I'm not here.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Jay's
3: gone. Sounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Sounds like a line you've used before. I don't know. I mean, I really yeah, don't. I, I don't know either. I, I,
3: let me, I just want to ask one other sort of <laughs> counterfactual, which is uh, about Clinton, Um and we've got Isakoff here, who um, never met him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he here? Did, did Mr. and Mrs. Isikoff? Roger? Uh, you want to talk about Roger? Clinton? Yeah, <laughs> right, right, you want to. Mm-hmm. But um, it just strikes me that, um, uh, and Mike, I, I can't remember if you were doing uh, Jennifer Flowers during the campaign and the, the, the bimbo eruptions, but at that point. Um, it, the, the stories were about clinton's extramarital affairs about dalliances right. um, trysts right, right. Um, and the, and there were issues with jennifer flowers
0: about whether he had arranged to get her a job okay you know,
3: all right but her, but um, we're sort board, of sort um, of in the gary hart zone yeah. over time that story evolves into uh, sexual harassment assault even an alleged Rape with uh, Juanita Broderick. Right. So the question I have is, um, and clearly in the Gary Hart case, that never—that was not what Nothing we were talking right. about. Right. But, but, but if you if you don't uh, report on those kinds of stories, and it, you know, if you do, kind of uh, notice a sort of a recklessness um, in in a political candidate's uh, behavior, a presidential candidate's behavior. Isn't it fair to say, well, this could lead to things that are more serious, and maybe we do have to investigate these stories? Well, it already we it already had. Yeah,
4: you know, yes, because it already had. I mean, I, I would argue that what we found out about John Kennedy through the revelations of the Church Commission in the early 1970s cast his presidency in an, ex, an extremely. Uh, dark light I mean, uh, was, I, I because I of use a, that example uh, because okay. of the because yeah. the of mob he having
0: he was having an affair with right. a woman who was the girlfriend of a Chicago mobster yeah. who'd been hired by the CIA to assassinate Fidel Castro yeah but and I I always think that is you know the the counter to those who say private biz, uh, private conduct shouldn't matter to the public's uh, business. I sure. agree with you. It depends. it depends. There's no hard and fast rules, but mm-hmm. there are circumstances yeah. where it
4: can. I mean, and that's one percent. And to be fair, like, I don't
3: think yeah. the movie or the book makes yeah. the argument that, that's that it why never need, matters.
4: That's why we right? need judgment. But I will also yeah. point out, Danny, and I know Jay hasn't answered this question, but I, before we move on, I want to point out you used the term bimbo eruptions, which, and I, and I know that's journalistic shorthand, but uh, for everything that went on during the cleaners but again this is i, I and I'm not I'm, I'm not taking issue with you but I'm saying this is why this is part of why what we explore in the film I think is so interesting because Donna Rice got caught up in that too and she's not, she was not a bimbo. Bimbo, was, right. And, and, you know, that that more three-dimensional picture of the way of these phrases we toss off right. is part of, I think, what makes the film so relevant. Right. The, right.
0: the origin of that phrase will be the subject of another buried treasure because I have, I played a unique role in that but in any case, <laughs> you we... Said, uh,
2: but you said it, Mike. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. it is it is absolutely relevant sometimes but the, right. the, and, and the fact that we followed the never rule pre-heart and the always rule post-heart is what's wrong it's like right. we got to use our judgment about what what you know what's what's relevant and what's not right, right. <laughs>
0: um well i uh, want to recommend the movie to everybody listening to our podcast today the front runner in theaters when when can people actually
1: see? uh in los Angeles and new york it comes out on election day and, <laughs> and, and, how uh, appropriate and yeah. uh and then it'll be expanding uh, towards thanksgiving
0: Okay. Great. Well, uh, Jason, Jay, and Matt, thanks for joining us. Thank, thank you. Guys you guys for guys having us. Congratulations
3: yeah. to all of you. It a lot of fun. It. Thank you. Thanks to Matt By, Jason Reitman, and Jay Carson for joining us on this episode of Buried Treasure. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell us what you think. Leave a review. We'll talk to you on Friday.